Hi doctor, are you currently seeing patients with shoulder pain? What about frozen shoulder? What if I could teach you a neurological treatment system in which you could literally take a person from frozen, frozen shoulder to a full range of motion in two visits? And this system is so powerful that we guarantee results in two visits or we don't accept the patient for care. Hi, I'm Dr. Andy Barlow. I'm a board certified chiropractic neurologist. I also carry a fellowship in functional neurology and every Wednesday night at 5 p.m. I'm giving a one hour seminar free of charge. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help your community. I'm here to help our profession go to the next level. I personally look forward to seeing you every Wednesday night. I want to, I want to completely change your life and change your community's life. And I can help you do that because I've helped hundreds if not thousands of doctors from Europe to Canada, all the way to New Zealand with these types of health issues, okay? So I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Central on the webinar. Have a great day. I look forward to seeing you on, on the internet. Probably have an old school website, just like this old school Voltron from the 80s. Here's the thing, video websites are dominating the entire internet right now. But only 3% of people have video websites. What is a video website? When there's continual movement. The beautiful thing about continual movement is that when you have movement, it keeps the buyer wanting to stay on the website. Here's the beautiful thing. If you look here at Dr. Mo's website, he is dominating, dominating, dominating. His website's everywhere. Not only that, but He's omnipresent. It's about time to get you out of the static world websites where they don't move, doesn't do anything for you, but come into the video websites where we dominate Google and get you omnipresent. It's time to step in the future of marketing. Make sure you click on the button in the bottom for a consultation and we'll get back with you. Hello everyone, my name is Mark Anthony with Edge on Regenerative Medicine Show, the show that brings you the best of the best of doctors in their state. I'm excited today. We have Dr. John Farrell with us. Um, Dr. John Farrell, I'm, I'm excited that you're here on the show. And uh, not only that, but before we, uh, we go deeper into this introduction, I just want to tell everybody out there, sharing is caring. And I love that. It sounds so cliche, but it's not. Why? Because one video can change one person's life. We are about helping people. We live in a generation where, 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 where good has become evil and evil has become bad. And sometimes the truth will be suppressed. But guess what? Not here on this show. So the great thing here uh, that with, with Dr. John Farrell we have here is um, he is not only uh, one of the founders, but he also is, I call it, the number one regenerative orthopedic practice across Washington, D.C., also in the Virginia, in Maryland, and the Colorado area. And he's also providing a comprehensive non-surgical regenerative medical care. You guys hear that? Non-surgical regenerative uh, medical care. Now, here's the great thing. There's so many people and so many doctors out there that will send you off with a white paper bag with pills. And that's all they'll send you off with. But then there's some doctors, I call them special doctors, that want to go deeper and outside the box and find ways to help you, whether it be with knee pain, hip, hip 
pain. I don't care if it's pinky toe pain. Um, those are the kind of doctors that you want that think outside the box that just don't want to give you the pills. So again, our topic today is huge. We are going to, our topic is called redefining orthopedic in sports medicine. Thank you so much, Dr. John, for being here on the show. Well, Mark, thank you for having me. I appreciate the, uh, the invite and I look forward to our conversation. Oh yeah, definitely. Hey, I had a, I had a, was that big enough? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that big enough? The, the cool thing is there's so much more to you. Just tell us before we go into talking about redefining orthopedic and sports medicine, because that's, it sounds like I know what that means, but I know some my, my, our viewers are thinking, what does that really mean? But before we go into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and about you being in, you know, and um, I believe you're in the, you were in the Navy, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I always tell people I was lucky enough to have a rich uncle pay for med school, and that was Uncle Sam. Uh, so, you know, the Navy paid for uh, my med school, went to med school at Penn State. And uh, after I finished medical school, I did a surgery internship. Uh, you know, I kind of fell in love with the orthopedics at that time, and my plan was to be an orthopedic surgeon. So I went from working about 100 hours a week during my intern year and to 40 hours a week in the Navy. And I kind of realized that, hey, 40 hours a week isn't that bad. I kind of like to see my family. <laughs> I kind of like, you know, not having that constant sense of tightness because, you know, you're not getting any sleep and you're living in a hospital. So then I kind of, you know, had to do a little bit of soul searching and kind of reevaluate, you know, uh, where I wanted to go with my future. And I kind of found non-surgical sports medicine and regenerative medicine along with that. And that was really kind of the birth of, you know, my path down to regenerative medicine. Man, that's that's awesome. And how long were you in the Navy? Four years in the Navy. Oh man, I tell you, I, I'm a military kid, so I know. Hey, yeah, you, you have any kids? I do. I do. I have a 13 year old daughter. Oh man, yeah. So uh, I'm sure she gets a little bit of that Navy treatment. I bet that room is like. I know me. My my dad was military, man. I'll tell you, man. That room was always clean. Anyways, <laughs> bringing back memories. I, I need some non surgical treatment right now. I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we, we got some stuff for PTSD also, so. <laughs> you're funny, I love it. Well, so, uh, so tell us about, um, also, I believe that you're, you were a fellowship of. Um, yeah, um, I did a, a, a primary care sports medicine fellowship. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a fellowship training where we get to spend time working with sports teams. Uh, during that time, you know, I got to spend time in the training room with the Redskins. It got to do spring training with the Nats, and I covered DC United, you know, uh, throughout my entire fellowship year. That's awesome. After, you got to meet with the professionals. Yeah, yeah. So we got to be with the professionals. We also did some college coverage. I covered George Mason as well as high school. So we really got a, a immersive exposure to really doing sports medicine. Uh, so it was a great experience. We could see it everywhere from just your weekend warrior all the way up to your professional athlete. Um, oh, so. Wow. After I finished my fellowship, I ended up spending uh, a couple of years covering DC United uh, in private practice, and then uh, then went on to cover the Washington Spirit, uh, which is our women's professional sports team. Uh, well, also had some time covering the DC Divas, which is uh, Washington's professional tackle women's football, uh, and then uh, did a little bit of coverage with the XFL team this year before uh, they had to shut down the season. Oh, man, I didn't even know they had a women's professional. Like, is it a professional football team? 
Professional tackle football, yes. Okay, I'd like to see that. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I get think to get brutal. Oh boy. Wow, that's awesome. So talk to us about redefining orthopedic and sports medicine. What does that really mean? Yeah, so I think that the best way to really kind of explain that, because people ask me that all the time. They say, well, what's the matter with the way that you practice orthopedics now? And so I give them an example of Susie who has a little bit of shoulder pain. You know, she's 50. She likes to work out. She likes to do her yoga, but her shoulder hurts. So she goes in and she's asked her primary care doc to get a referral. So they need jerk referral to surgery. And she goes and sees the orthopedic surgeon. The visit's usually short and quick. They do these x-ray and says, oh, x-ray looks perfectly fine. Move the arm around a little bit. Oh, there's nothing here that's surgical. Go see the physical therapist. All right, so she goes and sees physical therapy. Um, gets a little bit better, but it's still not better. So she goes back, sees the orthopedic surgeon. He gives them cortisone shot and then says, all right, well, let's get an MRI. Let's see what's going on. So then, you know, she goes and gets the MRI. Then has to come back and then take off another day of work see and get the MRI read by the surgeon in person, I'm like, oh, there's a little partial tear in there. Well, those do okay with surgery, but not great. You can continue with physical therapy and give you another cortisone shot or you can live with it. Um, you know, a worst case scenario, they go in there and they try to fix it. And, you know, with these partial rotator cuff tears, that's really not the best surgical reasons. Um, so, you know, you know, these people are stuck. This is what we call a treatment gap. These are people that don't have great conservative options. They don't have great surgical options, and otherwise they're just sitting there in pain. These are perfect candidates for us. So now we're gonna say, Susie comes and she comes into my practice. So on the very first visit, not only is it gonna be a much longer visit, it's not gonna be five minutes, it's gonna be 30 to 45 minutes, right? We'll do thorough history, thorough physical exam, and then we're gonna use our musculoskeletal ultrasound to scan her entire rotator cuff. So we would have been able to diagnose that partial supraspinatus tear on that very first visit. So not only that, then we can talk about treatment options that don't involve cortisone, uh, because cortisone, what we know from all the studies is that it can be degenerative cartilage, can be degenerative for tissues, and it can actually cause these rotator cuff tears to get larger. So we'll offer her some other non-surgical options that actually do really well. Wow, that's a, that's a good breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> It's, 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 it's really sad because a lot of people believe that they need to live with their pain because they've been told, you know, whether it be, um, you know, tingling in the feet or, you know, their hip. And the first thing we normally hear is it's time for you to get a hip replacement or a knee replacement. And um, it's, I love meeting doctors like yourself because if I have a friend in your area and they're talking about getting surgery or something, I send them right to the doctor that I, like if I knew somebody in your area and they had called me up or, I knew what was going on. I'd be like, hey, you need to go see, you know, Dr. Dr. John or Dr. Dr. Farrell. And so uh, it was cool. I had a call the other day and um, a friend of mine, he was like, I'm going to get it. My, he said, I got to get a hip replacement. I go, before you do, you need to see this doctor because you live right by him. <laughs> so it's good to have doctors like yourself um, because at least you get to keep a limb. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to get cut. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, what, what would you tell people that are, um, very hesitant about it and they've kind of sometimes you can be on a system without realizing that you're in a system like a system of taking the pills taking the cortisones taking you know what i mean just taking stuff yeah. that just 
Well, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, that's part of the system we're trying to change right now is that that knee-jerk referral to surgery, right? So the analogy I say is that when people get chest pain, they don't go say, man, I need to go find a heart surgeon. They say, let me find a cardiologist. So why is it when you sprain your ankle, you know there's nothing surgical. The first thing you think is, I need to go see an orthopedic surgeon, right? They're the last line of defense. They're the most aggressive. And, you know, there's a lot of things that need surgery. A lot of great surgeons out there, and they do really good work. They definitely need them. You know, so I'm not, I'm not trying to put down surgeons. But what I'm trying to say is that there is a you know, conservative approach where we can start off with the non-surgical guy first. And then if there's certain things that we can't get fixed, we'll send them to the surgeon. And the surgeons love my referrals because they know that this is almost always a guaranteed surgery. But you know, we have to kind of change that mindset. And so there's no, there's no reason why we can't start off with something a little less invasive first. And, you know, most of we take insurance, you know, there, there's not any reason that, you know, doesn't, you know, you, you say, hey, just get a second opinion. You come in from a non-surgical guy before you go get cut, get a second opinion. And if I look at it, I'm like, wow, this is really bad. You do need surgery. You go in there and you know that you, you, you checked every box. But if we can sit back and say, hey, did he try this? Did he do this injection? Has he looked at it under ultrasound? Let's just do a diagnostic injection, see if this makes your pain better. And if so, these are areas that we can get better and you might not have to go under the knife. Wow. So you, you kind of got me stuck on insurance. You guys actually take insurance? We do. So, you know, we take insurance. Insurance covers for the office visits. Insurance covers for the musculoskeletal ultrasound. And they cover for a lot of the diagnostic injections. Now, some of the regenerative treatments, the insurance does not cover. But, you know, hey, just to kind of come in, get a second opinion. That's, that's you know, there's really no harm besides a copay. You know, I know that a lot of people say they'll look at the, they'll always look at cost. I had somebody on a Facebook thread literally the other day, and um, I didn't know this doctor, but I knew what he stood for. And somebody was like, well, how much is that going to cost me? It's probably a whole bunch of money. And I remember I replied back to him. I go, it's, it's sad to know that we're so focused on building our wealth and, you know, things that don't really mean a whole lot but where when our health starts to go out we start to dip into our wealth and then by the time you dip into your wealth you have no more wealth because you're trying to keep your health up and going and not realizing that there's a you actually save money like if you do a surgery yes you might have insurance that'll cover it but you're looking at eighty thousand to a plus surgery depending on what they're doing you know, and depending on what you're charging for non-surgical, I don't know your numbers, but I know the average, you know, you're looking at between four to eight grand, but the bottom line is you don't have to go through surgery <laughs> and surgery is, is, a, it's not a promise that you're going to be better. Sometimes you'll be worse. So I always tell people, I mean, you're worth it. Like, that's what I told them on the thread. I go, you're worth it, man. Yeah. Just try to encourage, you know, I had to do a little love slap. You know, like how when, when our wives, you know, when we do something wrong, they, they kind of put their arm around our shoulder and did a little, little tap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do a little bro tap. Ta ta. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you, so have you, have you or your, or anybody in your family, have they ever tried any of these non-surgical, like if they had any knee problems or anything like that? And, and how yeah. did that, that, how'd that work out? Yeah. Yeah. I've treated my wife who had an anterior label tear to her hip. And, you know, she did extremely well. I've treated my mom. I've treated her knees. You know, I've treated my brother's plantar fascia. So, you know, 
I love this field and I can practice this field because we do it responsibly. And this is the same treatments that I give my family now. And so when I sit there and I tell that to a patient that, look, this is the same thing I did for my mom, that gives them a sense of comfort that, you know, they, they, this guy really believes in. And, you know, I have some people that say, well, you know, I saw your price for PRP. It was a couple hundred bucks more than this orthopedic surgeon who wants to do it for me. He doesn't believe in it, but he said, hey, I'll just do it just to show that it doesn't work. I'm like, is that really the guy that you want doing this? Um, and so, you know, you want your person doing your regenerative medicine treatments to be trained, have done plenty of them, use musculoskeletal ultrasound to really guide their needle. But not only that, to be able to follow it over time so, so you can see the healing to make sure things are improving. So not only do you feel better, we see that it's healing, and then we can get you back to being in living I love it. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and I'm just going to come at it as like, I don't know anything about, I'm going to call these niches. So let's say that, and I know everyone's different, but we're going to pretend that you've already seen my x-rays and stuff like that. But let's say I come in and I have frozen shoulder and I, I, I could prove it. I've got the whole, I got the doctor's pamphlet. Uh, I have frozen shoulder. I come in. What would be some of the recommendations? I know now again, we're just pretending here. So let's say I have frozen shoulder. What, what would, would you do? Like maybe a PRP? And if so, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. So typically with frozen shoulder, first thing that we want to do is we want to scan your rotator cuff. We mm -hmm. want to see if there's any other associated injuries. Do you have an injury to your rotator cuff? Do you have an injury to your, your slap tear? Because typically frozen shoulder usually comes from a pre existing injury that makes it painful for you to raise your arm. If it's painful for you to raise your arm, you don't move it and you, the capsule, the ball and socket starts to stick and freezes to that mm -hmm. ball and it minimizes your range So if we scan, we don't see any rotator cuff tears, there's nothing there that we need to fix from a regenerative standpoint, then what we try to do is we actually try to create space inside of that joint. So we do a nerve block to give anesthesia to the shoulder, mm -hmm. and then we inject about 20 to 30 cc's of saline into that shoulder that does is it slowly starts to lift that capsule off the ball and socket. It breaks mm -hmm. that scar tissue up. And usually, almost immediately, you have greater range of motion right after we do that. You then try to if also set that up that you can go and see your physical therapist immediately after that because now you have a nerve block. And so they can go and crank on you and really kind of push on you with minimal pain because that whole shoulder is numb. And that is all covered by insurance. So wow. That's unbelievable right there. Yeah, so I, those, I, I typically don't do PRP for those because I get such great results just with that. It's covered by insurance. There's certain things that need PRP, but that's not necessarily. Oh, wow. Okay, let's just say I um, I know that you mentioned that you guys also help people with like Tourette's and stuff like that. Is that correct? No. no. Not Tourette's, but <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Hello. <laughs> You know the show's live when you, you can just make a mistake like that, y'all. Tourette's, where'd that come from? I saw a squirrel on the plane. Um, uh, you were saying that, like, um, I was kind of playing around in the beginning, and I was going like, yeah, man, my dad, you know, he came in. Oh, you know, sorry. Yeah. PTSD, post-traumatic yeah, stress disorder. Yeah. So you guys handle PTSD, too? Yeah, so I actually have one of my physicians, uh, Dr. Sean Mulvaney. He does probably more uh, stellite ganglion blocks with PTSD than anybody else in the country. Wow. Uh, he has published data on this, and essentially what the stellite ganglion block is an injection of lidocaine 
um, to the stellate ganglion, which sits just above your vagus nerve in the neck, and it controls your fight or flight system. And so with this injection, it essentially turns off your fight or flight system, and it helps to cut off the, the parasympathetics. So it's kind of like in your computer. For a lot of people, it just comes to and they're engaged to watch a lot. Wow, that's amazing. So how long, and how long have you guys been doing that in your office? Uh, so he's been doing that, you know, I want to say probably at least the last five years. Uh, so he's got published data, hundreds of you know, people in the data set with really good results. It's safe, it's very effective. Uh, he's done it on special ops, uh, you know, people to, you know, those who I know a lot of car accident and, you know, they're scared to get back on the road because of their post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. What would you say are one of the most, uh, I, I don't like, I always say, I always use the word niche, but what would you say are, are, are a lot of the, the, the most type of people that you see coming in? Would it, would it be knee people? Would it be back, lower back? Beat. Yeah. Well, we look at the patient as a whole, so we mm -hmm. see pretty much head to toe. So some of our most common things are kind of arthritis, so knee osteoarthritis, hip osteoarthritis, shoulder osteoarthritis, even big thumb osteoarthritis. Mm -hmm. And we see a lot of chronic tendonitis slash tendinopathy, right? So rotator right. cuff, tendonitis, uh, lateral apocondylitis, Achilles tendon, plantar fascia. But then we also get to see a lot of nerve issues because uh, we can use the ultrasound to see the nerve and treat the nerve. So I can treat carpal tunnel with a what we call nerve hydrodissection. We free up scar tissue uh, that we can see under the ultrasound around that nerve, and that frees that nerve up to restore the numbness and tingling that they have. And so we can do that for the sciatic nerve, and so any of these nerves that are compressed or contracted, that's another big thing that we treat. So those are kind of three of the big areas that we kind of cover. Well, that's, that's unbelievable. So there's a lot of people that are going through the whole sciatica pain and um, arthritis. And a lot of them are just not seeing any hope. It's interesting. I'm in a lot, I'm in a lot of groups on the internet where there's neuropathy groups, sciatica groups. They have all these I, groups, you know, as I would say it, you know, it's a niche. You look at, you know, sciatica as a niche, you know, it's a, it's not just one thing. It's like, if I, I know if I come see you, and I say, hey, I got a problem in my neck. I know for a fact you're just not going to go right to my neck like a lot of other doctors. You know, you're going to most, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do, but I'm going to throw a guess and then, you know, we'll let you shoot for it. But I, I guarantee if I go see you and I said, I got a neck, the first thing you're not going to do is probably go to the neck. You'll probably do an x-ray or you're going to look at what's connected to my neck because it could be my lower back. Or how would that look if I were to come to you? Into your, yeah, if I were to go to your office right now, how would that look? I had a neck yeah. problem. So, you know, you come in with a neck problem, we're going to get your history, we're going to try to see how long this has been going on, was your trauma associated with it, you have any prior injuries, you have any prior we'll do a physical examination, we'll see where you're tender, uh, we're going to evaluate your TMJ joint, because, you know, sometimes instability or problems around your jaw can cause mm -hmm. issues around your neck, we're going to check out your shoulders. A lot of times, you know, it's, that neck is in between your shoulders. And so if we have instability of the shoulders, it can cause tightness to your traps. And everyone holds the stress in, and we need up to the back of the neck. And so we're going to evaluate all of those things. Uh, X-rays can be helpful as well as ultrasound because there are ligaments that help to stabilize the neck. 
And the problem is we're in this modern day society. We spend way too much time behind a computer, hunched forward with our neck bent down. And we slowly start to stretch these ligaments out, which creates instability. Um, and so the x-ray doesn't show us these ligaments that can, you know, lead to some of the instability, but ultrasound can. You can see where those ligaments are stretched out. And those are areas that we can treat. And so, you know, there's been you know, excellent studies looking at prolotherapy for cervical neck instability going back as early as the 1950s um, to, to treat, to stabilize, and to help out with chronic pain in these areas. But you're, you're right. We want to look at above and below any area of pain that you have to see how the biomechanics affect that. Oh, exactly. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's funny because I came in with, with uh, back pain, and the first thing, you know, you know, one of the doctors that I was with, and he's, he does regenerative medicine, is uh, he asked basically everything that you just said he did. <laughs> and everyone out there, you got to realize that if, if doctors aren't doing that and they're just going right to that pain, you got to be really careful. You know, uh, I've seen a lot of doctors do that with even my family members before I started getting really deep into regenerative medicine. They're like, okay, you, you need surgery. It's like, well, you looked at me for three minutes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't under, what I don't understand is, and I'm not here bagging on other docs. You know, I feel like there's two types of two types of doctors. You have regenerative medicine doctors that think outside the box, and then you have the other type of doctor that gives you a little white bag with a bunch of pills every month. And when that starts to wear off, you get another white bag. You might hey, you might graduate to a brown bag, and uh, it's a different a different type of pill, a stronger pill. But what happens when that pill wears off, and the next pill wears off, and the next pill, then you're done. And uh, so I see that two types of docs, you know, so do, do, do those other type of doctors, do they see that you guys are around? I mean, I don't understand. Do they see that? How could, I don't understand. I'm just trying to look at it. I'm not a doctor, but how could you live with yourself knowing that there's other doctors like yourself that are actually, they're not putting a patch over it, a bandaid. You're actually helping them start a new beginning, rebooting their entire system instead of cutting them up. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Sometimes it has to happen. Right. But in most cases, you don't have to. Do, do they understand? Do, they, do, you, do you think they know about the regenerative medicine or they just don't want to go there? Or how, how would, you, what would you say about that? Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of it goes against the, their basic training. Um, as some of these people are seeing their patients come back and get better, they're interested in, they're starting to kind of look at it, starting to kind of explore it. There are some people that are stuck in their ways. This is the way I train. This is the way that we do it. And I kind of laugh when someone, you know, they kind of poo-poo it because, you know, 10 years ago, yeah, there was no data. Now we have excellent data out here to support. We're talking about level one data. That's randomized controlled studies that show excellent results. We say level one data to support PRP in use of knee osteoarthritis. We have level one data to support PRP and it's used in lateral epicondylitis or tennis elbow. Level one data is to support PRP and glute knee tendinopathy, so that, that hip pain on the outside of your hip. And then, you know, we also then starting to have this longevity data. You know, so one of the, the studies I love to talk about is, you know, Dr. Hernigau, who is a surgeon in France, has tenured data, uh, tenured data where he's looking at knee arthritis and bilateral knee arthritis. So both knees have arthritis. He says, Left knee gets a knee replacement, the right knee, we're going to do stem cells in there. So we get bone marrow stem cells into the right knee. We followed them out, went back in 12 months. How are the knees doing? Both sides are doing great. Equal benefit on both sides. I'm happy. 
less pain, I'm functional, doing really well. So you say, okay, well, you know, stem cells can do well for about 12 months, but what's the longevity data? You follow these people out for 10 years. What? At 10 years, he came back and said, okay, how many of the people who had stem cells in their knee went on to go get a knee replacement? Only 25% of that group went on to get a knee replacement. So, you know, this is that 10-year longevity data showing that not only is it effective, but it's safe. And, you know, these are things that, you know, we're looking at. This was done by a surgeon. And so, and it, it was, a, it was the, the trial was their left knee versus their right knee. So you know, That's awesome. You know, had a chance to really kind of feel both of them. Most of the people, if you ask which one would you have again, they said they would have done a stem cell surgery. 75% is huge. Yeah. I would rather go with that number. You know, what What made me become a really huge believer in, in uh, um, I, I mean, a lot of people don't know the word, but it's mesenchymal. You know, um, it's just that it just stem cells sound better than mesenchymal. <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> mesenchymal, you know. But, um, uh What's, what's interesting is when I first saw Mel Gibson's story about his father, his father, I think, was like 92 at the time or, or 89, and, and uh, he couldn't get stem cell treatment in the uh, U.S. at the time, so he had to go to another country to get it done. And um, Mel just wanted to do whatever he could do to keep his dad alive. And they said, if you don't, they, he heard from both the doctors, the ones that cut you up and said, look, if we don't do surgery, he's going to die right away. The other doctor that did stem cells, I think it was in Brazil. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I uh, uh, went to Brazil and they said, you know, we need to do this right away. And so he went with the Brazil guy. Let me tell you, the guy's over 100 years old now. Mel is a believer in stem cells. You know, I mean, he, he's like, hey, as I'm, he goes, hey, when a car breaks down, what do you do? <laughs> Give a little, little oil. You know, we all need a little bit of grease in the engine. So do you? Explain to our audience out there, we know about stem cells. We know that there's a lot of, you know, uh, um, I'd like to say reviews that are not true on stem cells. And I know that just like, you know, uh, not all stem cells are created equal. It depends on where you get, where you get your stem cells. So, so there's always a, one bad doctor that can ruin it for the, the other 10 great doctors or 20. Um, how does a stem cell really work? And, you know, what's the longevity of it? Well, I think, you know, when we're talking about this, we, we have to take, you know, a step back and look at some of these things that you're talking about. So you mentioned mesenchymal stem cells, so MSC, that's kind of the magic word that we talk about. So the person who actually created that was Arthur Kaplan. He's a PhD and a genius in his own right. And so he actually says, I kick myself for calling it a mesenchymal stem cell because these cells actually don't turn into the cells that we think of. So they're different than stem cells in babies, right? So he actually recoined the term MSC to mean medicinal signaling cell. So what this does is imagine that you have a little packet of medicine that's in there that tells your stem cells that are already in your own body where to go, where to come. So, yeah, so that's, that's what we're talking about, you know, at least in this regenerative orthopedic world, we're talking, we're, we're talking about cellular treatments. Cellular mm -hmm. treatments usually are either come from bone marrow or they come from microfragmented adipose or your own fat tissue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, for the layman's terms, this is what they call stem cells, but it, it's really, these are, are cellular treatments. Uh, in our, you know, nomenclature, we don't use the word stem cells because it, 
it's a little bit mislabeling to, to say what it actually does. And so these are the only two that when we take it into a lab and we take cells out of bone marrow or cells out of fat, what can we plate? What can we grow? The only two that we actually find is MSC. We have amniotic tissue, so amniotic fluid, amniotic tissue, core blood, things of that nature um, that come from placentas, usually normal, healthy births that are either donated, um, the, the placentas, in order to get these cells out of there. Now, the problem is when we take those cells out and we plate them and we try to grow them, they don't grow. So, when you know people say, "Yeah, I got stem cells from a baby," well, you know that's really not true. So these really weren't stem cells. The baby stem cells didn't turn into new cells inside of your body. It's not what happened. Um, what it does contain is it contains growth factors, right? So these growth factors, similar to platelet-rich plasma or PRP, they have the, the the factors that tell your body, "Hey, there's been an injury. You need to repair. You need to heal. Send your body's own stem cells down here to help us do that, right?" So that's how we have to talk about that this, in this light, because one, it's, it's a little bit more clear. Two, that also protects us from FDA, because you hear FDA is cracking down on stem cells, because there are some unscrupulous people that are saying, hey, we're injecting stem cells in you. Truly, that's not what they're doing. I agree. Uh, so this helps to kind of clarify that. Um, and you know, I think it's kind of very important that we break things down. And so what I'm talking about are cellular treatments. I'm usually talking about microfragmented fat. Bone marrow. You can talk about amniotics. I'm not sure how long this is going to be around. FDA is really cracking down on that. So it'd be interesting to see what happens to you in the year. And then when we're talking about blood products, we're talking about usually platelet-rich plasma, uh, PRP, or uh, plasma-rich growth factors, PRGF. And then there's good old-fashioned prolotherapy, which is usually a mix of dextrose and lidocaine. So these are usually the treatment options that we're talking about when I'm talking about regenerative. That's awesome. I like how you cleared that up, you know, because I, I mean, I've had people say, yeah, I got a five-year-old running in my body. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> You're like, all righty. I don't know what you read, man. <laughs> or something, but um, wow. So where do you see regenerative medicine going right now? I really hope regenerative medicine is going to be the future of the way that we do specifically orthopedic medicine. There's probably a lot of you know, room to go in other areas. So I'd like to see us actually start to treat you know, some of these aging diseases, arthritis is a disease, um, you know, like we treat our other diseases so we can be a little bit more preventative. So you go in your full you get your physical done, your primary care doc is going to do usually a glucose, right, to screen you for diabetes. Yet we don't do that for arthritis, but we for 50, 60. These are things that we typically have. And if we can just create that at an early age, we have this level one data that supports using PRP and early and moderate knee osteoarthritis. Mm -hmm. We also have data out there that shows that it seems to slow down or halt the further degeneration. So if we can catch this early, treat it often, can we actually prevent this from going to the point that you need a knee replacement, right? I think that it would be awesome if 30 years from now, we screen for it, we treat it, and we look back and say, we used to be barbaric, we used to cut people open and put metal inside of them because we didn't use it, try to do it as we do all, all of our other preventative diseases. Wow, I love it. Yeah, you know, 
I, I see everything ever changing. I mean, we have, we live in a society where we want things quickly, fast. And I'll, I'll tell you what, PRP and, you know, also with, with stem cells, regenerative medicine, I've, it's probably the most quickest relief I've ever seen in my life. Uh, people that have been in pain for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. You know, I had, um, I met this gentleman up in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, he was in his late seventies and they told him that, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't able to, to move his arm and his body started breaking down. And they said, you know, we're going to have to put you in a facility where they take care of you for the rest of your life. And uh, long story short, you know, he met one of the doctors up in Mississippi and regenerative medicine doctor. And I met the guy, the man, this guy was doing flips. <laughs> he, 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 he had a, he had a non-surgical treatment with uh, mesenchymal stem cells. And uh, the guy was walking around like he was in his thirties, literally. And uh, he was telling me, he goes, yeah, you know, they were going to try to throw me in some old folks home. That didn't happen. Matter of fact, what I ended up doing is I went on vacation to Israel for a whole month. So, I mean, that's awesome. Where they were going to actually put him in a retirement home, but there was hope. And so I tell everybody out there, look at the non-surgical way. Do everything in your power to look for regenerative medicine doctor in your area. Now, all you people out there that that's in the um, Washington, D.C. area, Virginia, Maryland, and Colorado, you know, they, Dr. John here, you can, you can reach them at, at rossum.org, rossum.org, R-O-S-M.org. And he treats that entire area. Is there more of a vast area that maybe I did not mention that you do tr treat as in how far you guys go out? Because I know people travel for hours just to go see you guys. Some people even fly out to you. So, Yeah, you know, that's, you know, we, we got six locations throughout the Washington, D.C. area. We have a location in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and, you know, our goal is really we want to expand this. Uh, we have so many people that do travel. We have people that call in because they, don't, they can't find anyone in their area. Uh, you know, and so, you know, our goal is really to be able to provide this non-surgical care across the country. And so we want to continue to have it expanded. Currently, at the D.C. metro area uh, and the, uh, the Boulder area where you can find us. Awesome. And I just want to say thank you, number one, for serving our country. And number two, I just want to thank you so much for being here on the show. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I love doctors. And everyone, you really should start loving doctors too and not be getting scared. And the reason why you're getting scared because you're not seeing one that believes in non-surgical. The last thing that should ever be is to ever go see a doctor that's going to you know, even cut you up or have, having to open you up. I'm probably using the, the rough words, but let me tell you something. It's rough out there. So before you, you do, please see a non-surgical doctor. Make sure that you guys call the phone number on the screen. It's rossum.org, rossum.org. And um, everyone, remember, sharing is caring. One video can change one person's life. I don't care. If you're not in pain and you're watching this, think about this. You can help just by sharing this video because – there could be somebody in the Maryland area or Colorado or Washington, D.C. or Virginia that need help. Anyways, have a great day, everyone. And, Doctor, thank you so much again, and God bless you all. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Thanks for having me.